I I successfully taught a white guy to dance at a bar once. I explained to him, or he was like, I don't know how to dance. I, don't, I can't dance. And I was like, I looked him deep in his drunk little eyes, and I was like, you're a white man. All you have to do to dance is just to repeatedly point at your crotch. And it was life-changing. <laughs> Tell me I'm, I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> you are not incorrect. That is already above and beyond the average white man's capacity. He thought I was kidding, and then he tried it, and he was like, holy shit, is this dancing? I was like, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, my son. <laughs> the little caterpillar becomes a butterfly. Oui, c'est vrai. Je suis un ananas. Now, in the uh, towers of uh, Edmonton... I'm not a Tory. I don't speak on both sides. I do not use crack cocaine, nor am I an addict. Fabulous. I'm Jessica. And I'm Janelle. And I started a small, manageable grease fire today. Yeah, we're so proud. Yay! <laughs> and you managed it like a champ. I did. I, it's, mm. my apartment is no longer on fire, so. I'm, I'm, <laughs> never been prouder. I was like, oh man, what's that weird smell? And I was like, ah, that's my home. Mm. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that is the play, that is the enclosed area in which I live, which I have just set on fire. Ah, uh, yes. Turns out yes. that you should not just leave chili unattended for an hour and on high on a gas flame. It turns I out that that's, never would have guessed. That's not an okay <laughs> thing to do. So we, I learned something today. I Nobody even, warned me. I didn't even have class today, and yet I still learned a valuable lesson. Productive. It's good. Wow. I'm I'm making friends with the FTNY. Lifelong learning. The other. <laughs> yeah. Also, exciting news, everyone. Uh, today we received our first ever hate mail, which implied that our inability to pronounce the name of not-pronounced Bronte, Texas, was indicative of our lack of personal character and moral fiber. Yay, we're reprehensible. So, yeah, so if you too hate us and would like to explain your own theory on the source of our mailing many failings and iniquities, message us, detailing the ways in which we are failures as human beings. So today's story is about emus, Yay. which, for the unfamiliar, are a species of large, flightless birds endemic to Australia. They grow to about 2 meters or 6.5 feet, depending on your preference, and have drab brown feathers like a working-class ostrich. For a minute, I thought you meant, like, when you said according to your preference, I was like, wait, can you choose how high they grow? <laughs> Can you choose how tall you- Is there, like, bonsai emu? Those are just pigeons. <laughs> You're gonna Actually, be no, kiwis. three feet. Kiwi birds are, like, bonsai emus. I don't- I don't know that that's a scientific classification. Scientific fact, kiwis are bonsai emu. <laughs> Ooh, I'm not- I'm not sure that I would <laughs> put that- Science! Part. Science. I actually uh, have great personal knowledge of emus because I attempted to buy one off Kijiji. Because uh, it turns out you can just do that. They're classified as livestock in the province of Alberta because apparently people eat them. Mm-hmm. My grandmother used to own ostriches. Yeah, you can just, in, in Alberta, I don't know if this is true of the rest of Canada, you can, without a permit, just own large exotic birds and you can just eat them whenever you want to. Yeah, depending on the laws of your municipality, you may not be able to keep them, but you can buy them. <laughs> you Yeah, and for emus, you can just sort of have them. The lady, like, it came with you care instructions. And then my mom, I was like... like a goldfish. <laughs> yeah, and if at some Don't point... Don't shake the bag. <laughs> you want to do battle for its life in the yard with a hatchet, and just whoever the victor eats the loser, you can do that. That's legal. You go for it. <laughs> you might not win that battle as easily as you think you're going to, but uh, you're, you're welcome to try. <laughs> if you want to, like, claim your next dinner in Mortal Kombat, uh, you know, here's an opponent. <laughs> we do insist that you arm the emu, however. It it's comes, only fair that way. It comes armed. Have you seen their feet? Oh, yeah. They can kick someone's face off. It has a weapon. You're the one who has nothing. You have brittle little <laughs> fingernails that you've probably trimmed down for your fucking office job. 
Yeah. You're, in no You're way... not ready for this. You are not naturally equipped to fight an emu. Nature did not prepare you. All we have is tools. That's that's the only way that we have reached... That we're in any way equipped to take on anything. We have no natural weapons. No, all we can do is sharpen rocks and then hurl those sharp rocks at things that we want to be dead. That's it. That's our also, only we're... trick. We're very good at walking for a very long time. That's that that will like just not help you. Just in the a face. leisurely pace. <clears throat> yeah, there's a theory there's a theory that humans used to walk their early prey to death because <laughs> other animals like get tired. They can sprint and then they're sort of tired for a while, but you can just walk all day. You can if you if you've ever walked a dog, like the dog is way more energetic than you, but the dog will get tired and you won't. <laughs> as long as like, you've got a pair of good pair of shoes that are not you know, anything I own, you're good to go. Yeah, so a large emu weighs about as much as a small Rottweiler and can run up to 50 kilometers per hour or 31 miles per hour. I'm just picturing a, like, small Rottweiler with a really long neck running about the speed of a <laughs> smart car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, they are about as close as modern fauna get to being straight-up dinosaurs, and they know it. <laughs> Uh, like, I just like the fact that, like, at, a, at its top speed, an emu cannot run into school zone. <laughs> no, it's too fast. Your children will die. Too fast. <laughs> it's just gonna, it's gonna hit a kid. <laughs> I imagine that you're just not allowed to have an emu in a school zone, no matter how yeah. fast it's going. I don't think that's I a mean, good idea. there's probably not any, like, written law, but I just think that, like, the police, the moment the police find out about this, they're going to escort you out. <laughs> It's to escort you and your emu somewhere more appropriate. It's one of those situations where there's a difference between the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. It is very much in the spirit of the law that you not bring large predatory birds. Implicit Wheatley, we assume that you would not bring an emu to the playground. <laughs> no, members of Just the raptor large, family. No. A large flightless, flightless insectivore. Just to hang out by the jungle gym. <laughs> and disembowel children. No, absolutely not. My mom wouldn't let me keep one in the backyard, even though I was very convincing in my arguments as to why she let me soon. I, I, I bet you just, you made a real case for it. Right? It's mostly it was because I want to, and it would How be funny. How not convinced? <laughs> <laughs> we never liked the neighbors anyway. Apparently that was not... That wasn't as convincing as I thought they it was. They can sit and swivel. <laughs> Not on the emu, though. It won't hold still long enough to be mounted. Oh, I could just... <laughs> Our neighbors like to watch us with binoculars. If we had an emu, it would just be, you know, that oh, much yeah, better. Oh, yeah, at least make it what a little more those... entertaining for them. What the fuck have if those Como's done anyway, now? might as well have a show. <laughs> <laughs> what are the goddamn Como's doing now? Ruining this neighborhood. <laughs> Ruining it. <laughs> Our house price is dropping by the second. <laughs> Yeah, if you ever wanted to value an entire neighborhood, here you go. Mm, buy an emu. <laughs> uh, emus are fairly common, listed as least concerned by cons conservationists. They are considered a symbol of Australia, featured prominently on the Australian coat of arms, but historically they have been considered pests and nu nuisances. Because again, Australia this is a theme park and not a real place. It is, it's not a real place. It doesn't, in fact, exist. Uh, <laughs> this brings us to the matter of early 20th century Australian agriculture. Trust me, it's relevant. Oh, it's very relevant. After the First World War, to support the, ma the mass of returning soldiers, the government of Australia created the Soldier Settlement Scheme, which allocated small parcels of agricultural land to veterans, creating thousands of farms. My favorite part of this plan is that the acronym is just the the Australians didn't like didn't, didn't have don't have the same flair for naming <laughs> naming bills as the as the Americans. They're do. not they're not as catchy. That's not a you concern know, like, here. This is their version of the GI Bill, and it's kind of lame sounding. <laughs> <laughs> and also, instead of getting a college education paid for, you get a piece of Australian outback filled yeah. with angry kangaroos and emus. Yeah, you just get you just get a a lump of rather unproductive dirt. Yeah, because, like, Yay. unfortunately, much of the land was relatively poor quality, which might be why the government had so much of it just, you know, hanging around. <laughs> they don't really keep, like, you know, acres and no. acres of prime farmland just vacant. You know, the prime fertile arable land had been taken already, <laughs> turns out. 
so while some of these farmers had substantial success, most remained relatively poor and therefore vulnerable to fluctuations in the price of the animal products and produce they raised. These farmers usually hedged against unstable prices through raising both animals and crops on the same lot of land. In 1930, the dawn of the Great Depression, the international wheat market was in crisis. Oh my god, I knew this! I knew this! I got a specific message from Ash Hulowitz, the one who wrote our logo, who was like, please, wrote our logo, who drew our logo, it's very late at night here, um, Mm. requesting that I wedge my knowledge of the Canadian grain industry gleaned from my years of working as an interpretive tour guide at a grain elevator onto this goddamn podcast. And here you go, Ash. (laughs) I absolutely know this for a fact. The reason that Canada's economy crashed is because Canada overproduces grain. And so when it became worthless... Also... This was also why Canada had such a, a hard time for part of it was because Canada doesn't have the option to hedge their bets. Like, mm-hmm. you can grow wheat or you can grow wheat. I mean, that's... It's not a great climate. There's not a lot of variability in the kind of crops that you can grow in Canada, especially at the beginning of the 20th century. The growing season is eight and a half weeks if you cross your fingers and you sacrifice a cat. Otherwise, yeah. God knows. <laughs> yeah, like, it's you're basically, like, trying to work a very, like, a, the full lifespan from sowing to harvest of a crop somewhere in between that narrow growing season while dodging floods and fires. <laughs> if you can't grow a crop during a rerun of a Friends episode, you're out of luck. That's roughly the Canadian growing season. We grow a lot of wheat and we grow a lot of kidney beans. (laughs) (laughs) And canola. Just a lot. And canola, because only we're allowed to grow it. Yeah. It was developed by... Because it was developed by the Canadian government. They hold the rights to it. Oh. Canola is a... patent on canola. Canola is just rapeseed that's been selectively bred to be less acidic. There is an acid yeah. in rapeseed that makes it bitter and unpleasant, and canola is just rapeseed yeah. with that bread out. So they just, they gave it a fancier name. I don't know, canola sounds better yeah. than yeah. rapeseed. It, it, it doesn't have the word rape in it anymore, which is a plus. <laughs> that's that, is a, that is an advertising boon. Yeah, that's that's Canada's main industry. It's just wheat and inoffensive vegetable oil. Yeah. It's good for you. Compared to, like, most types of fat. I mean, it's good for you if you cook with it. It's not good for you mm. if you treat Don't it as a beverage. It. Yeah. Do not chug it. It's not the new Sunny Day. <laughs> oh, that's so gross. Oh, no. Oh, no. Mm. Mm. <laughs> to be clear, yeah, don't fill your Nalgene with canola oil. You'll not, you're not going to feel good. <laughs> mm. Mm, good yummy. stuff. Good stuff. Good <sighs> Put a hair on your chest. <laughs> Regardless of whether you want it. If you're a woman, doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter. Hairy you're chest. You're gonna be just a but you're gonna look like a bear, just bushy. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna be virile, your suit. <laughs> you can learn how to braid it. <laughs> put, put, just braid some flowers into your chest hair. Mm. Well, All the good. girls are doing it. <laughs> What was happening was traditional wheat-importing countries uh, across the globe were erecting tariffs, which was causing uh, the wheat market to spiral. Further, Australian wheat farmers had seen three successive poor seasons, and the result was much of Australia's arable land lying fallow. You're about to see tariffs in action when we go to trade war with China in the upcoming weeks. So... Yeah, you know. This, if, this is this is basically you studying, if, you know, yeah, getting if, ready for the 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 coming trade war. If you don't, yeah, if you don't catch the hang of tariffs during this episode, don't worry, there will be ample opportunity to learn. Yeah, and and by the way, the reason why most of the world disbanded its tariffs is a little thing called the Great Depression and the cascading domino effect of raising trade ba- tr- that raising trade barriers had. On crippling the world economy. <laughs> Yay! Again. <laughs> not that that's not dark. If you didn't catch what Jessica just said, just just wait a few weeks. Yeah, you're gonna you'll, find out. You'll Don't get worry it. about it. You'll Don't get worry it. about it. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we'll, 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 we're gonna learn, that we're gonna go over this lesson as long as it takes us to learn. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we're, we're all gonna take some remedial classes together. <laughs> 
I'm not sure the professor knows what he's talking about, but he seems very confident. <laughs> it's gonna be good. I'm gonna be able to go to Wall Street just to hear anguished screaming during business hours. So the Australian government responded by offering a substantial wheat subsidy in the form of a guaranteed price. No matter how low the market of we- the market for wheat fell, the government promised to make up the shortfall to a set level of 48 pence a bushel. This had precisely the effect the government had intended, a 30% increase in Australian wheat production. And also, like, fewer farmers setting themselves on fire out of despair. Yeah, like, just just a reduced amount of, of fires setting their, setting their wheat ablaze and then throwing themselves upon the pyre. <laughs> <laughs> that's what a good social program should achieve. Yeah, that's 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 most of what this, the social safety net is for, is just to prevent farmers from burning themselves in their own fields. <laughs> but there was one problem. See, the government promised the wheat subsidy, but the government also failed to pass its own proposed subsidy bill due to interjurisdictional squ- squabbling between the federal government and the state governments and lack of buy-in for certain provisions among growers. After the 48 pence price guarantee failed, the government managed to hastily pass a 30 pence guarantee in December 1930 without the controversial provision that had sunk the first version, but the Commonwealth Bank, which is the main bank of Australia, refused to supply the money due to the risk involved. Again, Australia is a theme park and nothing there works quite the way that it should. Yeah, like even even the gravity, if you like just drop like, just drop an apple. It will float. Um, it'll just float right back into your hand. The only things I know politically about Australia is that they only legalized gay marriage this year, and oh that uh, one of their prime ministers just sort of wandered into the sea and was never seen again during his time <laughs> in office. <laughs> this is happen. true. This is true. I'm not making shit up. One of their prime ministers disappeared into the sea and has never been found, like, while being an active prime minister, and that's all I know about Australia politically. That and the and the emu war, what we're about to talk about. They also had uh, Tony Abbott, who always causes problems for me because there's a uh, there's a very similarly named researcher into uh, writer on autism that has like a very similar name who's also from Australia. But Tony Abbott, was you are literally wondering... the only person alive who has that problem. I mean, like sometimes people ask me for book recommendations, and I keep accidentally telling them to read a book by the Australian Prime Minister. It's a big deal in my life, <laughs> and <laughs> this only your to me life. Frequently, <laughs> this is just your life. Only your life. This isn't so much first world problems as specifically Jessica J. Pijo problems. Not even the other Jessica Pijos have to deal with this shit. There are more people currently dealing with haunted toilet seats than there are people with that mm. problem. Yeah, he also just like straight up ate an onion once, like just Wait, like the researcher like or apple. the or the prime minister. The, the prime minister. Oh, I... I don't know if the researcher cares to eat just raw onion. Like he he was like inspecting a farm or whatever, and like one of them just like one of the farmers is like, "Hey, look at my onion!" And he just like took it and bit into like bit into the peel. That is a power and... move. <laughs> just power move. I've never seen a farmer look so upset. They are normally a stoic people. If I was a world leader and I was going to invade a country and their world leader picked up an onion and bit into it while making full eye contact with me, I would not invade that country. <laughs> you won your sovereignty with this bitter vegetable. I, I'd give up whatever disputed land there was and I'd probably pee a little. <laughs> <laughs> If you are willing to bite into a raw onion for your freedom, you get your freedom. That's the rules. Yeah, you can have it. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't don't want to fuck with you. <laughs> nope. <laughs> All this left the farmers who had heavily invested in planting and growing wheat facing plummeting prices and no fallback plan. The government repeatedly tried and failed to pay farmers for the 1930 crop or otherwise lend financial aid, but officially abandoned efforts at compensating their losses in September 1931. With a bill I can only assume was just titled, ah, fuck it. By the end of the crisis, farmers would wind up receiving about 20 pence a bushel, less than half of the promised amount. The result was a wave of bankruptcies and an estimated 20,000 farmers forced from their land. 
one of the greatest policy disasters in Australian history. It's incredible that Australia is not still on fire from the fallout of this. This was some heavy shit. It's amazing they didn't just torch the place. Lesser countries have died with policy disasters like this. There are civilizations that have been ended by schemes this boneheaded. I'm not sure what happened to the Mesopotamians, but if something like this had occurred, we would never have heard of them. (laughs) (laughs) Poor bureaucracy. However, before this caper came to a close, in October 1932, as farmers were preparing to harvest the wheat crop, all while threatening not to deliver it in protest of the government's failure to come through on its promises, a new threat appeared. See, these farmers had been going about their human business mostly concerned with their human lives, their human finances, and their human government's human incompetence. But all that changed when the emus attacked. <laughs> Is that really? We're doing, we're doing that reference? Okay. <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm, I'm hip. I'm with it. I know what the kids are into. <laughs> that is what you say when you are behind the steering wheel of a panel van. An unmarked <laughs> panel van dangling candy out the window. That's Don't the only make time fun of me. I'm making fun of you. I will turn this podcast around. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like you're trying to lure middle schoolers off a playground. <laughs> Emus lead a largely nomadic lifestyle and tend to migrate long distances in search of food after their breeding season, from the rocky desert hell that is the interior of the continent to lusher coastal areas. They roam areas. the land looking for victims. Literally, that's what they do. They're they're basically like forty kilo forty kilo locusts. <laughs> Just I don't I don't know that the Bible predicted this. He's <laughs> of the end times. God has abandoned Australia. <laughs> that is true. And I will hand one thing to emus, and that is that their mating is significantly less ridiculous than that of ostriches, despite the fact that emus are equally ridiculous birds. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, you can't hand anything to an emu, they do not have arms. <laughs> they have stubby little wings. They have, they have vestigial appendices, like, they just, they have stumps. Because the thing is, like, I, I do have to explain this, like, with ostriches... The male impresses a prospective mate by doing a dance reminiscent of an awkward white kid who's really into (laughs) hip-hop. The male ostrich uh, then sits on the female while continuing to boogie like a drunk uncle at a wedding. (laughs) And the female just sort of puts up with this. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) Sucks to be a woman of any species. You can't even... Turn into an ostrich to escape. Yeah, she's just, like, dead-faced the entire time. (laughs) Just unimpressed. This is the ostrich version of an unwanted dick pic. You just get sat on by a flailing weirdo. (laughs) I prefer the Uh, dick pics. Romance. (laughs) During during the breeding season, uh, emu females lay large clutches of eggs, which the the males then brood and guard. Oh, the males sit on it. Yes, emus are dedicated fathers. Oh, good. Uh, they t- tend to the eggs constantly, not even leaving them to eat, and can lose up to a third of their weight in the eight weeks it takes his strange Muppet-like children to hatch. Well, it's good to hear that throat-slitting nightmare birds at least have advanced gender roles. You know, that's that's the real dream. The real dream of feminism. Just laying several clutches of eggs in the in the middle of a rocky hellscape. <laughs> and just letting a dude sit on them. <laughs> also, none of this changes the fact that they look like a furry ottoman with legs. <laughs> no, no. And if you've never seen a startled emu, they look like they look like a, they just saw a spider climbing up their leg. <laughs> I have a framed photo of a s- startled emu on my wall. Because I can't decorate. That has nothing to do Elegant, with my love of emus. I just, I'm bad. Graceful at- birds. They're not. They're not. They look like feather dusters that will kill you. They're absolutely- If you don't know what an emu looks like and you think it's just a tiny ostrich, you need to Google it. I wasn't kidding. You, you do. They don't really have arms. They're just- no, they're, they're just sort ridiculous. of a furry mass on two skinny legs. It is- it is a dust bunny on stilts, except way bigger. Understandably, the duties of parenthood can work up a mighty hankering for bugs and plants. And wouldn't you know it, when tens of thousands of emus- stumbled upon thousands of acres of wheat in an otherwise poor season, they thought that this was just awesome 
and ditched their original birdie plan of heading out to the coast. Do they eat wheat? No, they fucking love wheat. They eat plants. Wheats are pl- <laughs> wheat is plants. They're they not, are not picky. They're not on the gluten-free craze. No, like, they're, they, they, there's not, like, a notable amount of celiacs among Australia's most charismatic giant bird. Are they charismatic? Or do they just not have any competition? I'm thinking that's a pretty small category. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think platypuses count. Those are mammals. They look like novelty lamps that don't yeah. turn on. They just aim for your throat. They're not particularly violent birds, but nor are they domesticated, so don't get close. I was gonna say this is this is a this is an episode called they're the Emu gore War. You like an elk. Yeah. There's... <laughs> they're not. But don't mess with them, and it'll be mostly fine. Don't hug an emu. I mean, that's going up there mm. with our, our advice to you. Don't eat lead. Don't and hug, don't an, hug emu. an emu. And don't definitely don't hug a lead emu. <laughs> Although you can you can eat you can eat an emu, but like I I don't know I can't I can't vouch for this. <laughs> Apparently, it's possible. Mm, plausible, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fake, but okay. To be clear, the fields weren't just completely unprotected, open to any passing pest to sample at their leisure. God no, it's Australia. You can't do that. Yeah. Farmers usually protected their crops using fencing designed to keep out rabbits and the like. Emus, however, are notably quite a bit bigger than the average rabbit, and they basically busted through the fence like the Kool-Aid man. I would shit myself. (laughs) Oh yeah! I'm not gonna preserve my dignity at all here. Just, if I saw a fucking army of emus bearing down on me and just tearing through my fence, no. No. They can have it. I don't. I don't care. <laughs> I seed immediately. <laughs> I, for one, welcome welcome our new bird overlords. <laughs> I do. I I give up. I surrender. Uh... <laughs> Take me to your leader. I am willing to collaborate. <laughs> Please, I have a family. <laughs> so not only did they eat and trample the crops, the gaps they left in the fence left plenty of room for smaller pests such as rabbits to follow them. As you can imagine, this was all pretty upsetting for the farmers, who already had more than enough shit to deal with. So they requested help from the government to repel the invasion. This is the most Australian problem ever. I'm just, I need, I'm gonna demand that the government take over, deal with my swarm of fucking murder birds. What government official's like, alright, here's, you know, I received an official request to gun down emus. This is something that the government needs to seriously consider. Uh, the government, in turn, was eager to be seen helping farmers and veterans rather than repeatedly fucking them over. A committee of former soldiers approached Defense Minister Sir George Pierce, unrelated to notable Tasmanian cannibal Alexander Pierce, <laughs> requesting the use of military machine guns, which had been highly effective when employed against personnel during the Great War. Oh, so they're like, well, this this took down the Germans, so it'll probably work on emus. Honestly, actually, the logic was the other way around. They're like, man, this killed so many of our soldiers. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's darker than that. Because, like, these far- farmers are all, they're, they're former soldiers. So they're just like, this was badly terrifying when I saw it on the Somme. Oh, my God. <laughs> these emus have no near the, nowhere near the moxie of the average Queensland boy intended as shock troops for her majesty. They are notoriously bad at digging trenches. I'll give mm. them that. Emus, they are don't do, dig do not excel. man-sized <laughs> trenches and organize. No. They're really not built for it. <laughs> Again, and I can't say this enough, they're stupid birds that don't really have arms. They got little nubs. They have little tiny nubs that are not I mean, like, obvious. they could use their feet, but like, I, I think they'd be mostly looking for grubs. <laughs> I don't want to be speciesist. They're not, they're not great strategizers, I don't think. <laughs> oh, you don't think, you don't think large Australian insectivore birds are adept at civics? Really? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just thinking that 80 pound birds probably don't live in dens that they dig themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you're the most horrifying thing in the immediate landscape, you just, you sleep wherever you want. I don't think they are the most horrifying thing in their landscape. Their landscape is Australia. <laughs> <laughs> they look like Dr. Seuss's fever dream. <laughs> Horton here is a. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> oh God! What is that? I just looked up how they sleep. They just look dead. They they just lie on the ground and look <laughs> they dead. Just flop over. They do. <laughs> they just flop over. They just they just let their neck 
go. They just, they literally just <laughs> collapse onto the earth. They look like ugly furniture. They just fall over and they sleep there. I don't know if maybe they, maybe they only do this in zoos because that's how they feel comfortable. But yeah, apparently sleeping emus are just like, well. Weird. I'm just used to so many like animals that like are considered livestock sleeping. Like, well, they, they normally just like lie down or like. Or, like, sleep standing up. I don't <laughs> just like, flop over. Yeah, like, they're not. Hang out. <laughs> because they're not a prey animal. They have no need to sleep no. standing up. They actually, uh, they actually do have, uh, they do have a, 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 a natural enemy. They have, uh, apparently there's a form of wild cat that, uh, that, uh, preys on emus. And they're slightly faster than the emus, which I didn't need to know. <laughs> I never needed to know that. But how the emus how the emus escape them is they wait until right until the cat is upon them. Then they turn themselves sort of sideways, like pointing like one of their little stubby wings at the ground and one of the other stubby wings up. And then they just like turn really fast and like just whip past the uh, whip past the cat going the other way. Oh, that is clever. Yeah. I thought you were gonna say their only natural predator is the embarrassed god who regrets creating them. <laughs> <laughs> It's entirely plausible. And just sort of... But also the cats. Quietly smites them every now and then. Just <laughs> like... He... See, that's the real reason that shit got crazy in Australia. Is just God was just busy making an emu and just said, like... And just had, like, one of those moments that, like, every creative creative artist has, like... And where it was just like, ah, oh, fuck it. And just, like, just abandoned Australia and just hadn't looked back in a while because he's just too embarrassed. <laughs> Australia is basically, like, God's old deviant art from when he was... 13. <laughs> he just, he just, it's just so embarrassing, he just can't even look at it. From a scientific perspective, if you let populations just sort of do whatever the fuck they want on an isolated landmass for thousands of years, they're gonna get weird. Things get weird. It's gonna get weird. Things get weird. <laughs> if, if you were to break off any piece of North America, South, if you were to break off any piece of the world and just not let any of the animals interbreed with anything for thousands of years. You're gonna get, you're gonna get like miniature moose and squirrels the size of donkeys. It's gonna be weird. It's gonna be it's real gonna get weird. weird. <laughs> Dodos are related to pigeons. Oh god. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, that's actually what a, 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 the Great Dane variation of a pigeon is, is a dodo. Oh god. <laughs> are there chihuahua pigeons? Are there just angry, tiny little pigeons? I have no idea. Like, I don't know if there's, like, dwarf breeds of pigeons, but it sounds like the sort of thing we would do. I also kind of don't want them to exist, because... Regular pigeons are already tiny enough. It's hard, hard enough, enough to lives. keep them out of my house. <laughs> mm. Pierce thought that this idea seemed perfectly reasonable, or at the very least not completely blithering insane. So he then authorized sending a set of two Lewis, Lewis machine guns and 10,000 rounds of ammunition on the condition that the guns would be operated only by military personnel and that the farmers would house and feed the troops, as well as covering the cost of the ammunition, while the government of West Australia paid for the transportation of the troops. Thus, the Great Emu War began. Yeah, Pierce may have fortified his morning coffee a little every morning. Yeah, like, it, it seems like his reaction was just like, Yes, you want to go shoot some birds? What up? Wow. Leave With me alone. <laughs> military-grade machine guns that you have to specifically request access to. This is not a bunch of yahoos being like, can we please take our shotguns and go shoot some birds? No. It was like, like can we roll requisitioning. out- Requisitioning. Can we requisition military-grade machine guns? <laughs> yeah. Can we have this? And I can only assume Pierce was like- Four shots of whiskey in and just didn't give a fuck about this job and was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, that's the thing is, like, they originally just requested the machine guns. They did not request the personnel. Like, that was him just going, like, like, all right, boys. I mean, you can play with the slingshots, but make sure your older brother comes and I want him to be the one holding it. <laughs> oh, if I had the like, if I thought that I could get away with requisitioning government machine guns to go mow oh down a bunch gosh. of emus, I don't want anyone else being involved. No, that's this <laughs> no. is this is me time. This is some <laughs> Janelle time. <laughs> Do you just dream about massacring the emus? Hashtag self care. I, I don't know. I'm kind of on the emu side here. I think they've been unjustly maligned. <laughs> they would 100% spear your child like a shish kebab if they could. They wouldn't, unless you're, like, like... <laughs> unless your <laughs> child is a delicious insect. 
Unless my child is like a large, yummy bug, they're not going to go out of their way to spear my child. They're not dingoes. If I had to live on the Australian outback on a piece of shitty land no one else wanted, this would be my self-care. <laughs> Just driven mad by like the miles and miles of uninhabited wilderness. Yeah, if I, if I live and, out in the middle like, of nowhere. constant threat of poisonous insects. If I if I can't go insane and climb a skyscraper like King Kong, this is the this is the second best. You're just going to go Rambo on a bunch of innocent emus. Yes. <laughs> I mean the correct answer for, you know, if I ever want to have like a, a career or a family or people who think I'm normal, then the answer should be no, but no, the answer is 100% but yes. But it is yes. It is I will 100% say that yes. into a microphone and then save that audio file and then put it on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I've said worse in the past. I have said much worse. <laughs> <laughs> Troop deployments were delayed until November 2nd, 1932, due to rain. Uh, the troops be- being Sergeant S. McMurray and Gunner J. O'Hallory under the command of Major G.P.W. Meredith. Wait, is this three of them? Which... Yep, yeah, just, just three of them. It's just three dudes with a machine yeah. gun. Two machine guns. Uh, they they two whole machine guns. They have one gunner. Well, I mean, like, the other- the sergeant can use the machine gun. Alright, it's just- it's just three- I like that there's just a dude who's there to supervise. Yeah. He's just there to yes. make sure that this- uh, that this goes well. Chain of command! <laughs> Alright. <laughs> you can't let two people with no vested interest in this situation wage a war against wildlife with military-grade weapons without supervision. That would be insane. Yeah. Just letting letting a sergeant and a gunner out on their own recognizance? That's that's crazy talk. That's bonkers. I mean, <laughs> declaring actual government-sanctioned war on a bunch of birds. That makes sense. Perfectly. I follow that completely. Absolutely. A rather important technical problem became immediately obvious, being that emus, unlike intelligent, well-trained human soldiers will not walk directly towards a machine gun in large, convenient clusters to be mowed down at the gun at the gunner's leisure. Well, goddammit. <laughs> a group of locals attempted to herd the emus into an ambush, but the birds, apparently having been trained in guerrilla warfare and insurgency tactics, split into small groups and ran about willy-nilly, making them difficult to target. <laughs> I'm just picturing a bunch of, like, overwhelmed farmers, and then I don't know what noise an emu makes, but I just imagined a bunch of emus just like... Oh, uh, like, it makes a... It makes a loud drumming noise. What? Uh, with the large sack of like he has like a like a sack of skin near its neck like a bullfrog, and it makes a large drumming croaking sound that can be heard from two kilometers away. Of course it does. So it it just sounds like an angry fucking drum circle is refusing yeah. to stand still and be shot to death. <laughs> oh, I looked yes. it up. What the fuck is that? <laughs> You have to splice that noise into this podcast. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like, if if you were lying in bed at night and you heard the sound, you would have your home bulldozed. <laughs> yeah, like, just, just imagine, just imagine that noise. Instead of, like, if you ever lived in a place with, like, crickets or toads or frogs, you know that chur 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 sound that they make? Just imagine that shit. No, it's like wah 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 It sounds like a lazy man's air raid siren. Like there's nothing. <laughs> Just like an air raid siren for a ver- like a species with a much lower range of hearing. If you made an air raid siren out of a dead bullfrog, that's what it would sound like. <laughs> yeah, they're 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 fascinating animals. <laughs> Uh, one of the soldiers fired anyway. The first salvo from the bleeding-edge military technology of the era that was the Lewis machine gun was thus largely ineffective due to the flock being out of range. Oh, so he just scared the shit out of them. Yeah, he just startled them. <laughs> okay. Uh, this, the second fusillade reportedly managed to kill a number of birds, which is suspiciously vague. How many uh, is a number? Uh, yeah, like, an amount, a quantifiable <laughs> an amount degree of emu that's, was slain. That's what I tell people when they ask how much my student loans are. They're an amount. Yeah. They're, they're definitely a number. <laughs> 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 they are some quantifiable it's a number. integer of some kind. <laughs> you could put it on a calculator. 
if you mm. wanted to. <laughs> you you could absolutely add and or subtract it. <laughs> uh, in another skirmish, later the same day, another 12-ish enemy combatants were slain. So, so birds. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the next major battle took place November 4th. Major Meredith and his men staged an ambush bush for a herd of a thousand emu. This time, the soldiers waited until the emus were in range before they fired. Oh, they're getting, a they're getting better at this. birds <laughs> before the duck guns immediately jammed, oh. allowing the hundreds and hundreds of remaining birds to scatter, escaping before the military's weapons could be readied once more. I like that this, like, this has individual battles. This is a legit war. <laughs> when you phrase yeah, it like skirmishes this. skirmishes and tactics. It's almost like it's not three insane people sleeping <laughs> on a farmer's couch so they can run around having a fun battle with emus. You can almost pretend that this isn't insane when you say it like that. Did it never occur to anybody at any point that it would have been easier just to build a better fence? I... It probably somebody, but those people were not here that day. And thus, insanity and inanity reigned. <laughs> we can either spend money on new fences, or we can let these eager idiots have the machine gun. Gun them down. Like, just reenact the Battle of the Bulge, but with a bunch of startled wildlife. <laughs> the anti-emu operation continued over the next several days, but with little success, as the emus quickly adapted to the tactics of Major Meredith and his merry band of men. <laughs> One of the soldiers was quoted saying the following, Each mob has its leader, always an enormous black-plumed bird standing fully six feet high, who keeps watch while his fellows busy themselves with the wheat. At the first suspicious sign, he gives the signal, and a dozens of heads stretch up out of the crop. A few birds will take fright, starting headlong stampede for the scrub, the leader always remaining until his followers have reached safety. So ergot poisoning used to be a lot more common then than it is now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, just eating some moldy bread and hallucinating in the desert. That's a lot of a lot of human history happened because people used to eat wheat mold and then hallucinate. There's there's not a lot to do in the outback except just fistfuls of drugs. Mm. Yeah, Peyote was the original television. I'm gonna take his observations on emu psychology and warfare tactics with a generous grain of salt. Almost like a scoop, like an un <laughs> like a medically inadvisable grain of salt. Here. A whole livestock salt lick. The emus, according to him, were learning, adapting, resisting. It was a full-on emu surgency. Maybe they could just hear that you are wheeling a 200-pound fucking art piece of artillery towards them. Yeah, maybe this isn't subtle. <laughs> and they've noticed that whenever you do that, then you yeah. shoot at them. Yeah, I think, I think the emus are merely, like, making the logical connection between you showing up and bangy owie happen happening. <laughs> <laughs> My my dog has no grasp on military tactics. My dog has not read the art of war. I feel confident <laughs> in that. She is not a she is not a loyal follower of of Sun Tzu. She struggles with her own name. She's she's a very special dog <laughs> with very special needs. But even But she will run away if you shoot a gun. <laughs> she understands that if you're just like, where's my other shoe? That she needs to go hide. <laughs> she understands that. She gets that. You're, you're, nothing good ever comes after that sentence. That doesn't mean my dog has an advanced knowledge of guerrilla warfare that leads her to hide behind the couch. I think she's the next Napoleon. <laughs> I, I, she frequently concusses herself trying to chase a bullfrog. Through the glass door. I mean, door. so do I. There is a bullfrog that sits outside the glass door, and this poor dog <laughs> has repeatedly concussed herself against the glass door. And we, we put things on the glass door. You can get those, like, window clingers that keep birds from flying into it. It doesn't matter. No. 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 She lacks the self-preservation instincts of a dive-bombing sparrow. <laughs> Poor animal. She's a special dog. 
Not to be deterred, Meredith had his men mount one of the guns on a truck so they could chase the emus down. Unfortunately, the average truck in the 1930s is not a particularly fast or powerful machine, nor is it really designed for (laughs) off-roading. This is, this is like what would happen if you had a problem and you asked your, the suspiciously inbred boys down the street to take care of it. This is, if you hired a frat to deal with your agricultural problems, this is the kind of brilliant tactical decision you can expect. Roughly the same level of innovation. <laughs> this is what happens when you try to solve a problem and your only tool is testosterone. Early machine guns were not exactly precision weaponry to begin with, making aiming not so much difficult as impossible. Because it's not that fucking hard to aim at an army. You don't really need to hit a precise location. You're aiming at an no. army. It's yeah. a broad target. One emu, either by accident as or as some kind of daring suicide attack, got tangled in the steering column, causing the truck to lose control and plow into a nearby fence. Wait, an emu got stuck in the steering column. Yes. Um How do you how do you claim that with your insurance? <laughs> I don't even know how you explain that. Is there a like, box for just, that? Can you tick like, that I off? Don't... Is that an act of God? Does it matter if you were chasing the emu? Emu tangled in steering column. (laughs) Uh, How many demerit points is that off your license? (laughs) I can't imagine it comes up very often. Yeah, that's not gonna buff out. (laughs) (laughs) Although apparently, like, there is a major issue in Australia of just, like, hitting kangaroos because, like, they tend to jump so they hit fairly high on the, uh... Very, fairly high on the grill. Oh, um, God. Just square on. Yeah, that's where the vast majority of uh, kangaroos uh, raising captivity come from, actually. Is, um, oh, no! Joeys, oh, because uh, mom is roadkill. Yeah, that's no. the roadkill incident with their mom. Oh, yeah. I'm sad now. <laughs> oh, no. No, I will I will say this. It's the same reason that uh, hitting a moose... Hitting a deer is is annoying, but hitting a moose is fatal. Is oh, absolutely. Because moose are so high that when mm. you hit them, you just take their legs out. You're not hitting the mass mm-hmm. of the moose. So you're basically, basically sweeping the legs and letting them land on your fucking hood. Yeah, you're doing. If a, you're lucky, you, you're doing you do karate. Not land on a cab. No, you're doing karate <laughs> with your car, and the problem mm. is, is that you now have two thousand pounds of moose coming right yeah. at your windshield. You don't. You don't really live. Yeah, like, After deer that. are already the number one killer of human beings in North America in terms of, like, Are they animals. really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Due oh. to car accidents. Oh. Um, but, like, I took defensive driving in <laughs> northern Alberta. This is my favorite thing and... that you know. This is my favorite yeah. thing you know. They will straight up teach you. Like, if you see if you see an animal and you do not have time to stop, just hit it. It is safer for you to just hit it. Unless it's a moose, in which case, take the ditch. <laughs> it is actively more lethal to hit a moose than it is just to drive straight into the wa- straight into the ditch. Just go right into the wilderness. It doesn't matter what's on the side of the road. Just, you're, yeah. you're going there. Cliff? Trees? You no, doesn't matter. Take it's your not fucking a moose. chances. It's not a moose. <laughs> Play the odds. Drive into the forest. <laughs> they never taught you defensive kangaroo driving in northern Alberta. Yeah, they also did not mention emus. What an but oversight. They were, they were vivid about the moose. <laughs> yeah. Same principle. Actually, actually a, a notorious problem in um in when you're driving is that sometimes moose will get tired during the wintertime and, like, they'll start walking along the highway... And you'll run into a problem where, like, you need to go around them, but, like, you can't. It's a moose. You don't want to get anywhere close to it. So instead, you just sort of follow it and hope that it doesn't turn around. Yeah, they'll, they'll charge your car if you startle them. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. If, you, if, if they think you're a threat. Yeah, they'll just, they'll full-on charge you. They don't care. Yeah, my, uh, my family are getting more and more rural the longer they live in rural Nova Scotia. And the last time I was home, my brother and I were going to take the Jeep to go get groceries. And my mom asked for some sort of meat. And my brother was like, nah, we got a bunch of deer on the island and this is a Jeep. We'll just go fuck up a deer. (laughs) We'll just hit one. 
We're going to run over our dinners. Uh, Absolutely not. That is not, not going to buff out. No, no, it didn't. No, Dad had very strong feelings about us hunting with his new Jeep as the weapon. Yeah, like, my <laughs> uncle, I think, destroyed exactly three cars, or th- three trucks, I think, hitting moose. So, uh... <laughs> It's just, just don't. You need to hug. They will, you will die. You need to check on your uncle more. I. He's a lovely man. He has a very large truck. <laughs> oh, good. With a lot of dents. <laughs> no, oh, good. Yeah, my my family is at best hillbilly esque. No, oh, good. That's wonderful. But they've even they have never strapped a gun to a truck. No. And gone after the of. emus. Not that I'm aware. <laughs> they they would think it was fun though they would if they thought it was logistically possible they would they absolutely would <laughs> oh good it's it's not common sense holding them back it's just a lack of emus i like okay so at least of my mother and her siblings at least three had gunshot wounds what um actually no did bill get ever get shot no grandma got shot Grandma got shot in an argument with Bill. It was an accident. <laughs> Is this a fucking party game at your house? Uh, no. Uh, two of them got shot in the ex- by the exact same bullet. What? What? Yeah, yeah my, I have an uncle who only has uh, only has the one leg. And uh, he lost it in a hunting accident. Although he tends to lie about how he lost his leg. But uh, he, uh, he actually lost it. He actually lost it in a, in a, um, in a hunting accident when... Someone somehow mistook him and my mother for a deer and uh, shot him in the leg. And uh, the uh, shrapnel, because my mother was directly behind his leg, uh, hit my mother in the stomach. So, yeah. <laughs> like... So the only reason my mother my mother is still alive is because my, my, my uncle lost a leg. No! I was gonna, <laughs> Would have been just... hit dead on by that. I was gonna say, is this just like a fucking coming-of-age ritual in the Peugeot house? <laughs> You gotta take a bullet before you can sit at the adult table. <laughs> Hold still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're a man now, son. You've taken your first bullet wound. Oh, that's just a fine war and awesome. tradition. That and changing your name and hopping the border because somebody somebody's wanted in front of a judge. What on what? That's why my family originally emigrated to Canada. I'm oh, impression. well. Somebody had a warrant. I'm getting a lot of answers tonight that I didn't, I didn't necessarily need. Good to know. This is your family no. family hobbies. Getting shot and border hopping. <laughs> That's who we are Ex- as a people. Excellent. We're proud of our, proud of our heritage. It's a, we have a noble lineage. Excellent. Absolute reprobates. <laughs> By November 8th, the soldiers had fired approximately... 2,500 rounds of ammunition and had killed an estimated 300 birds. Aww. The Australian forces, for their own part, took no casualties, which be, would be impressive, perhaps, if the emus had been armed. Yeah, they're not really shooting back. They're, I mean, they, they may have crashed the car, I guess. That would have been one way to do it, but <laughs> suicidally throwing themselves into the steering column can only get you so far. Local media coverage of the operation was broadly negative, and Pierce ordered Meredith. To People weren't draw. a fan of this. No, no, this was not. This was not popular oh. among the people. Among the local. <laughs> among the people. You know, it, it actually received widespread international com- condemnation for like the the culling of, you know, such a noble species, the rare emu. I mean, it's got to be the most, the objectively the most exciting thing in the news. It's it's the 1930s. The other news is like people continue to starve and die. There's no work and the weather's awful. But in local news, three idiots continue to shoot at emu. That's all that I want. Uh, to quote Meredith, if we had a military division with the bullet carrying capacity of these birds, it would face any army in the world. They can face machine guns with the invulnerability of tanks. They are like Zulus, whom even dumb dumb bullets could not. So basically, stop. she's proposing that the Australian army just be a bunch of emus. <laughs> that seems to be what he's that... implying. Just to, like if if the entire Australian army was emus, was more like emus, <laughs> they'd have they'd have they like they'd have defeated the Germans in no time. That appears to be what he's. This implying. is why we stopped inviting Australia to wars. 
very special bunch. <laughs> Uh, a second operation was approved November 12th in response to additional requests for assistance, and Major Meredith was once again given command. Hmm. Presumably because no one else was available. I think that was the exact <laughs> Well, reasoning. you are here, and uh, that's, that's all we're really looking for right now. Physical presence. This second campaign, or if you prefer, Bird War Two. Oh my was... god, no. <laughs> I told you I had some reprehensible puns in this one. <laughs> Don't you say that into my ear holes and make me hear that with my brain. Oh the no. The second campaign was far more successful with nearly 10,000 avian casualties. Oh. Nonetheless, according to Meredith's calculations, it took approximately 10 bullets to take down every enemy combatant making the military venture at best somewhat ineffectual. I don't know what the ratio is supposed to be. Uh, I don't know, but, like... It seems ineffective. Yeah, like, they were... They're they birds. Were like, by, roughly by the end of November, they were killing about 100 birds a week, so it's like, uh... <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're spending a lot of money to shoot something that you could theoretically hunt with a brick. Yeah. So... <laughs> you just, like, sneak up on them when they're sleeping and strangle their stupid necks. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is actually not very cost-effective. <laughs> I'm, 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 I, I'm... I'm glad that nobody suggested that. Just like we sneak up on them in their sleep and then we strangle them. I'm I'm genuinely happy that no one thought that was a good idea. No one was as good at bird homicide as you are. <laughs> it's one of my many skills. I put it on my resume all the time. Bird homicide. <laughs> this is why you are self-employed. I. It's all There's coming together. Several years of bird strangling experience. <laughs> That comes in handy as a translator. Mm, vital. There's a reason why I freelance. <laughs> <laughs> the operation event ended December 10th. A decisive win for the emu insurgency. The farmers <laughs> continued to make calls for government intervention, which the government declined. Yeah, I mean, not only does the entire world hate you now for bird cruelty, but you lost. <laughs> no, no, yeah, like, not only... Did you did you go out of your way to just like hunt a pest species in the most bizarre way possible, the most ab absurd and ridiculous way you could possibly think to cull a pest species, but also you it didn't work. Yeah, you set your military, your actual military, on a bunch of birds, <laughs> and they won. The birds won. And and the birds won. Like the birds were the la last the last one standing. <laughs> In fairness, birds usually win human bird yeah. wars, and even True. when birds lose, just birds try to still fight win. a crow. Yeah. Well, I mean, China uh, Chairman Mao, in during his uh, his reign in China, he hated sparrows for mm. reasons that no one really understands. And he ordered he people. Like sparrows, he... sparrows. No, he ordered a mass culling of sparrows. He was like, "Let's kill all the fucking sparrows," and so everyone was like, "Absolutely, let's kill the sparrows." But it turns out that sparrows eat pestilence insects. <laughs> so then all oh, no. then there was no food. So even oh, if you no. win a bird war, you lose the bird war. The birds win in the end. And I mean, don't get too cocky. They came back with avian flu. Like they're they're still mm. in. They don't forget. Birds don't yeah, forget. They... They remember. This is, this is penance for our sins. They've moved on You're to biological punished. warfare. <laughs> I, uh, I personally, I think this, yeah, like, it's, 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 it's interesting because, like, there have been many bird genocides throughout history, but, uh, we usually do not end up better off for them. <laughs> no, and there have the, been very the, few. The, the carrier, like, the pass, like, the carrier pigeon, you know, they, they get their last laugh. Yeah. This this is actually, I mean, the emus won. They're doing fine. Yeah, they're of least concern. Yeah, I mean, tragically, peace was not to be found in the shadow of war. The government supplied ammunition to locals to the locals alongside a pre-existing bounty on the beaks of of the emus, oh. resulting in a progressive emu genocide, an emu cleansing, if you will. Oh, that resulted in the death of five uh, five thousand. 57,034 uh, uh, emus over a period, period of six months in 1934. Wait, why didn't they just do that in the first place? 
I... They could have avoided having a week of just three fucking morons with a... Yeah, like... Running over emus and running around with a machine gun strapped to their truck. Yeah, like, literally, it always made more sense just to give amu- ammunition to the pissed-off locals. They had and guns. A... <laughs> just put a bounty on them. That's yeah. all... That's all you need. Just... You don't need to send three members of your military to go lose a war against them. Yeah, like... Like... I'm not saying that this was a dumb plan to begin with it, but no, it's machine a dumb plan. guns were never intended for pest control. <laughs> it's it's a dumb plan. If I go to the city of New York and I'm like, yo, I have cockroaches in my apartment, can I have a flamethrower? <laughs> People uh, will no. rightly tell you no. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't. Can, can you I? cannot do that. Can hey, I have a wait. fucking yeah? Is that what you were actually doing? Is this grease fire of yours? Was your t- was that your attempt at pest control? No, I don't have cockroaches. But if I do, <laughs> yeah. if I do, uh, the are, entire rigging, block will know about it. We are rigging up a uh, a match slash hairspray hairspray uh, like weapon, and we are we are getting right behind the behind the fridge. And if I see a rat in this goddamn apartment, I'm going full hand grenade. <laughs> You're gonna start developing nuclear weapons. <laughs> and you know what? You know what? The rat will die. I mean, I will also die. The neighbors will die. <laughs> Everyone. And people in die. the adjacent buildings will die. But the rat will die. The rat will be dead, and that's really all you want. <laughs> that's all that I ask for. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, of course, the human and the emu of Australia are at peace. The emu is once more a protected species with a robust population of over 600,000 animals. Harassing far fewer farmers, due in part to advances in exclusion, exclusion fencing technology. But let us never forget the battles and the bloodshed that led us to this day. God of our fathers, <laughs> known of old, Lord of our far-flung battle line, beneath whose awful hand we hold dominion over palm and pine. Lord, God of hosts, be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. If you fucking splice in the last post instead of an outro, I will fly to Vancouver just to look disappointed at you. <laughs> just so you can see the look of disappointment in my eye. I swear to God, if there is last post, I am getting on a plane. What is last post mean? The last post. That's the that's trumpet song we play at Remembrance Day is that to honor called? the fallen. I know what yes. it sounds like. It's called The Last Post. The Americans have taps and we have The Last Post. Ours is better. (laughs) That is what every... The least fortunate trumpet player in any metropolitan area in Canada has to stand in the freezing cold and play every November 11th at 11-11-11. That's the song. See, and I just knew knew, knew a girl... I used to work with a a girl who accidentally backhanded a World War II vet when she had turned around too fast at a a Remembrance Day celebration. So uh, I'm already on thin (laughs) ice. (laughs) I should should be more careful when... uh, I should just be more careful. You just eulogized a bunch of dead emu from a hundred years ago. (laughs) I like birds! Using a poem that I believe hadn't been written yet. Hadn't it? No. I, I th- or no, it's, is it a World War One poem or is it a World War Two poem? I think this one, like, I wasn't doing the one for Flanders Field. That would have been completely... No, I know that. Uh, that would have been completely, uh, a, uh... Oh, that's too much. That's too much. No, like, I mean, <laughs> we care about accuracy, Janelle. We do our research. <laughs> what kind of podcast uh... do you think this... What kind of half-rate organization do you think this is? In Flanders Fields was written in World War One, so yeah. no, you could you could fully do that yeah, one. one. That one this, that one is around. This one is uh, called uh, Recessional. It's a poem by Ru- Ruyard Kipling, and it was composed for Queen Victoria's Diamond Jubilee in 1897. Oh, so good. Yeah, you could also you could also recite in Flanders Fields, but it's only meant to eulogize dead Canadian soldiers and not uh, emu. Yeah, that was a from step Australia. too far from me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's I, that's blasphemy. That was like even I could not bring myself to use the poem about the Flanders Field poem for this. <laughs> we won't sully Canada's very important. Yeah, I'm I'm from a military I, like, family. I'm gonna draw some born lines. here, and they will deport me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, no. Well, this has been an exercise in questionable zoology and even more questionable mourning of birds. <laughs> Lest we forget. In mourning, oh I'm Jessica. <laughs> and and I'm Janelle, I guess. <laughs> I, I'm gonna... It is five o'clock in the morning and I'm sad about dead emu who lived 90 years ago. And we are fat, French, French and, and fabulous. fabulous. <laughs> Good enough.